Hello and welcome to my show, Shuvra Deb with you, with me, your host, Shuvra Deb. In this show, I will be discussing mental health with the aim of raising mental health awareness in our community and in society as a whole. The genesis of the show is my own pivotal life-changing experience of being in a Category 5 hurricane back in 2017. That experience led me to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. I am hosting this show in order to let you know that you are not alone if something life-changing has happened to you from which you are struggling to heal. Shuvra Deb With You focuses on a range of topics relevant to mental health and to raising awareness of issues surrounding mental health. Hello everyone and welcome back to my show, Shuvra Deb with you. I hope you're enjoying my shows where I talk to you about moments and experiences of my life in such a way as to, I hope, help you in your life. For those of you who have tuned in to my last two shows, you will now know that the intention behind my shows is to raise awareness around the topic of mental health. Quite often in a broader context of respecting and honoring the importance of looking after our mental health in the same way that many of us take care of our physical health. Quite often that can be taking the time and space out for some time out for breathing space from the often hectic and demanding requirements of our daily work and family lives. Each week I talk about topics that are relevant to mental health. So if there is a topic that you guys would like me to speak about, then I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Equally, if you want to reach out to me and give me your views on any of my conversation topics so far, on any of my shows so far, then I'd love to hear about that too. And to engage more with you guys, please do email me on shuvradeb82 at gmail.com. That's shuvradeb82 at gmail.com spelt S-H-U-V-R-A-D-E-B-8-2, the numbers at gmail.com. Now, on my first show, you will recall that I dived in deep into the topic of trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. I spoke about that because my experience of going through a Category 5 hurricane, Hurricane Irma, in the British Virgin Islands, led me to suffer from PTSD. I spoke about that experience in the context of the importance of confronting mental health issues and seeking treatment for any symptoms that we may be experiencing, whether that's anxiety, depression, feelings of distress, suffering panic attacks, addiction, or anything else that's preventing us from having a functional, healthy day-to-day -day life experience. Whilst this show is about mental health and raising awareness surrounding the topic of mental health, I do want to make it clear at the very outset that I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not medically qualified. So nothing I say should be taken as medical or other professional advice. I also want to say at the outset that if anyone listening to this show is experiencing feelings of distress or overwhelm or the need to talk to someone, then please, please seek out professional help or assistance from a friend. If someone is feeling suicidal, they need to get to the accident and emergency department at Georgetown Hospital. 
If someone needs a person to talk to or some guidance on how to deal with symptoms and feelings, there are so many options here in the Cayman Islands. Infinite Mind Care can be reached on 926-0882 and the Alex Panton Foundation, which offers support for people up to the age of 30, can be found on alexpantonfoundation.ky. Loud Silent Voices also provides mental health support and their number is 922-3847 and their email is info at lsv.support. Last week, I spoke about stress management. I discussed that without proper management of stress, we all place ourselves in quite a vulnerable position where both our mental and physical health can be compromised. I touched on how one of the ways of combating stress and of getting more enjoyment out of our life is to have gratitude. Whether that's gratitude for big things or for really simple everyday things, I also talked about experiencing joy in life and how by having joy in our lives, we have the ability to lower our stress levels. Another aspect of this is to do with finding our true purpose in life. I believe that by finding our true purpose in life, we will feel more joy in our lives, those feelings of being on a natural high that may seem elusive for many of us. So today, I'm going to talk to you about the topic of finding purpose. What is our true purpose in life? How do we work out what it is? And then, once we've worked out what our purpose in life is, how do we bring it to fruition? How do we make it happen? How do we have those boom moments in life? And why should we even bother to find our purpose in life? In doing my research for this show, I came across an excerpt from an interview that Oprah Winfrey had with Devon Franklin, the American film producer, author, and motivational speaker. On the subject of living with intention, Devon says the following to Oprah. If my life is a story, then I have to know the point of my story. And sometimes what happens when we start developing a movie The producers may have one vision of what the movie is supposed to be, the studio has another version, and then the movie becomes nothing because there's no clarity. So with our life, we have to have clarity of what we're supposed to do. What do we believe we're called to do in this life? And then that way it gives our whole development process more shape. Oprah responds to this with one of her many amazing aha moments. Oprah says she's getting goosebumps. And then she says to Devon, I can feel the kernel of, if you're not in control of the development of your life or aware that your life needs developing, and you're just waking up every morning, going to a job, going through the motions, getting your paycheck, then really it's sort of like being the walking dead. It's sort of like being the walking dead. How many of us feel, at least from time to time, a bit like we are living as though we are the walking dead and therefore ultimately not living at all? I invite anyone who feels this, even a little bit, even if only from time to time, to have a listen to this show And I hope that what I have to say will help you in some way. In April of 2019, 
I was so, so fortunate. I was in the right place at the right time and I was so lucky. I was attending a talk given by Deepak Chopra in person. In that talk, Deepak was unsurprisingly absolutely phenomenal. He spoke about many different mind-blowing things, all of which I was hearing for the first time back in April 2019. What resonated with me the most was Deepak's teaching on how to find fulfillment in life. I'll bet that there are lots of people in the world, and some of you, my listeners, may be amongst this group, people who, in some sense or other, feel a sense of lack of fulfillment in their lives. Those feelings of a lack of fulfillment may manifest in thoughts or words such as, I want to be happy, or I want more happiness in my life. Or it could be, I want to be richer, or I want more money so that I can have more freedom. Whatever the thoughts and the words are that are along these lines of wanting more happiness or of wanting more money, by starting with feeling gratitude for what is in our lives already, we are setting the scene. We are laying the foundation for growth, for there to be more in our lives, By practicing gratitude, we are laying the building blocks, the potential for there to be even more than what we already have and for which we are already grateful. Going back to Deepak Chopra's teachings, he tells us that the way to find fulfillment in our lives is to find our purpose. We can do that, he says, by answering the following four questions. Number one, who am I? Number two, what do I want? Number three, what is my purpose? Number four, what am I grateful for? If you're not driving and if you have a notebook handy, write these questions down. And if you're doing your chores and other things whilst listening to this show, please come back and have a re-listen when my podcast goes live. And of course, I'll be keeping you all updated as to when that happens. And if you do come back to have another listen, This is the third show in my series, Shuvra Deb, with you, and it's called Finding Your True Purpose. If you are able to write this down now, then the four questions that Deepak asks us to answer, and I'll run through them again, are, who am I? What do I want? What is my purpose? What am I grateful for? These, of course, are big, big questions. My own view is that we start with the fourth and the last of the questions and we take the questions backwards. So we start off by asking ourselves, what am I grateful for? Not least because that question is probably the easiest of the four to answer. I'm then going to talk to you about the third question, what is my purpose? And it may not surprise you that I have so much to say on just those two questions alone that I'm going to have to talk to you about the other two questions, what do I want and who am I, on a different show. So please do stay tuned for that show, which will follow soon. So how do we get to answering any of these questions? Deepak says the following in his time-tested book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. In that book, he says... Through silence, through meditation, and through non-judgment, you will access the first law, 
the law of pure potentiality. In order to access our purpose to find out what it is, we first have to approach and accept that we have potential, that we have potential. We have to believe, truly believe that we have potential. But before we even get there, we have to silence our internal mind chatter, which is also something I spoke about in my previous show. Now, that might seem counterintuitive. Me saying to you that in order to get to your purpose, in order to find fulfillment, we need to quiet our minds? You may be thinking, surely, surely I need my mind to be engaged, to be doing the thinking for me in order to find my purpose, to get to that place of fulfillment. The Buddha taught the principle that by becoming the awareness rather than the experiences, we become more mindful. By becoming the awareness rather than the experiences, we become more mindful. A trendy word perhaps, mindfulness, but an important one. By being mindful, we are conscious. By being mindful, we are aware. By being mindful, we quiet the internal chatter in our minds just that bit. And I talked about silencing the internal mind chatter in my last show, where I quoted Eckhart Tolle, who says, When you become conscious of these brief spaces as they happen naturally, they will lengthen. And as they do, you will experience with increasing frequency the joy of perceiving with little or no interference of thinking. By removing the interference of thinking, we open up the space for growth, for the growth of our potential. By quieting our minds, by holding ourselves in stillness, we open up the space for growth of our potential, our true potential. By quieting the mind, the internal mind chatter, and by inviting in those gaps between our thoughts, and by inviting in those gaps between our thoughts to become longer, we are inviting in true inspiration. We are inviting in our true essence, which gets us closer to knowing our true purpose in life. So, to answer these big questions, who am I, what do I want, what's my purpose, what am I grateful for? We can start to get to a place where we are able to answer these questions by sitting in quiet meditation. I talked about and led a guided meditation on my show last week. However, the path to sitting in quiet meditation is not always easy, let alone rosy. I meditate regularly now, but when I first started back in 2018, over four years ago now, I honestly don't think I could sit still for five minutes without being bored, without needing some kind of distraction. That need for a distraction would manifest in watching television, reading a book, being on social media, sending messages to friends, or going through various things in my head that usually involved or would result in some kind of crazy list of things that I had to do. And if I tried to be quiet, to just sit in quiet and stillness, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would have to put on music or a playlist or something. Not only that, Back then, when people told me that they meditated, I didn't understand what they were on about. I had no idea what they were talking about and actually thought it was all a bit of a joke. My first encounter with meditation came almost out of nowhere. 
I'd moved into a new house and it was a beautiful sunny day. I took my yoga mat outside. And this is before I even had a yoga practice, so I don't even know why I had a mat, but I did. And also, I didn't really know what yoga was. Anyway, I went outside with my mat and tried to practice yoga. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't have any asanas or any positions to hold, so very easily became frustrated and gave up. And then, almost out of nowhere, it was as if a voice inside me was welcoming me to lie down on my mat, go to YouTube on my phone and search 10-minute meditation and just do it. So I did. I put on my headphones, lay down, started to relax into and listen to the words of the guided meditation. And then I found myself lying out in the sun, the bright hot sun, and I was having a great time. But my phone, on the other hand, not so much. Five minutes in, my poor old phone started making that noise it makes when it's overheating. My phone had never even overheated before, so I didn't even know it was a thing. But here we were, once again, I was interrupted, became frustrated, and gave up. I didn't go back to meditation for a whole year after that. So I get it. I get how hard it can be to foster a new and often alien practice. Especially if, like the 2018 version of me, you have a practical mindset with little to no spiritual experiences. If that's the case for you, then it's even weirder, even more alien to sit or lie down on a mat and start trying to meditate. I get it. I really do. And then... April 2019 happened and everything changed. I was Deepak'd. That talk I went to, given by Deepak Chopra, probably one of the world's greatest currently living spiritual teachers, totally, totally blew my mind. I went back to YouTube, slowly, slowly, gradually, gradually, 10-minute guided meditations became 15 minutes, which became 20, which became 30. And then... Much like I was hit over the head by Deepak's talk, I was hit over the head again later that same month, April 2019. I was scrolling on social media and I saw one of my friends who is a Reiki master and a teacher of Reiki. She was holding a Reiki level one training course over a weekend coming up soon. Without even thinking, I messaged her and told her, please sign me up. And off I went. And my incredible, incredible journey of spirituality began. Maybe this radio show is your invitation to start even a small spiritual practice. And if not, let me talk to you about something a bit more practical. The fourth of Deepak's questions, what am I grateful for? Practicing gratitude can be a practice of and by itself. It doesn't require you necessarily to sit quietly on a mat. All you need is a notebook. So do this with me now. If you're not driving whilst listening to this and you have a notebook handy, go grab it and grab a pen or a pencil. Now, with me, write down three things for which you are grateful from the last seven days or so. That's three things for which you are grateful from the last seven days or so. So I'm going to do this with you. Three things for which I'm grateful from the last seven days or so. Okay, so my first thing, I'm so grateful that I'm right here, right now, in this moment, speaking into this mic, having this wonderful opportunity to deliver this show to you guys. My second thing, 
So on Friday evening, I went to the Sandbar Halloween party with my friends, and I'm so grateful for that experience. My friends with whom I spent that evening are such wonderful and special people in my life, and I'm so grateful for having met them and for having their presence in my life. And I'm so grateful for that wonderful opportunity we had to spend that evening together, all in our costumes and for Halloween. My third thing for which I'm grateful for the last seven days, I guess this is more of an actual, of a sort of general thing. I'm grateful for the glory and the beauty we have here in the Cayman Islands of almost every day waking up to glorious sunshine and every day having the ability to enjoy some of the world's most beautiful beaches. So if you've done this with me, what does your list say? If any of you would like to share your list with me, I would so love to hear from you. If you'd like to share, you can email me at shuvradeb82 at gmail.com. That's shuvradeb82 at gmail.com, which is spelled S-H-U-V-R-A-D-E-B, the numbers 82 at gmail.com. Notice that my list doesn't include anything about having won a case or something at my job, for instance, or having made some money on something or, or anything of any material value. My list for me relates to experiences that have brought me joy, that have brought me connection with people, that have made my heart feel full. That's so corny, hey? But there it is. It's all true. If you were able to make that list with me, then you have nailed it. You have answered Deepak's fourth question. What am I grateful for? And if you've been able to answer the question with me, give yourself a high five, give yourself a pat on the back. You are one step closer to finding your true purpose. And I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for you. So on one of Deepak Chopra's websites, someone has written to him and posed a question about fulfillment. The person asking the question describes his life, which on the face of it looks very satisfying and pleasing. He says he's a 35-year-old husband and father, has a six-figure salary, but that he is dissatisfied in his career and that he feels lost and empty. How many people out there can relate to this? I should imagine quite a few can relate to this feeling. The writer then goes on to say that when he tries to think of what he would rather be doing, he says his mind immediately goes to a vision of himself lying on a beach without a care in the world, working on his tan. So, what is Deepak's response to this? Deepak's response is that the vision of the writer lying on the beach in paradise only reflects his wish for a vacation from his presently unsatisfying life. Okay, so what can he do about that? How does he go from feeling dissatisfied and feeling that he wants to run away from it all to going to a place of wanting to do or have something in his life that he finds meaningful? Deepak says that what he needs to do is to search deeper within himself, suggesting that he makes a solid list of his talents and passions. Deepak says, and I quote, Think of the gifts you have that you can offer to make this a better world for your family and for everyone you touch in your life. That's also quite a big ask, no? I think it is. So, breaking this down... What I think we do to get to the answer of what we are good at, what gifts we have, what we get enjoyment out of, is that we do the following three things. The first, we use a thing called the DISC method, which I'm going to talk to you about. The second, 
we get creative. We get creative, which will help us to work out what we're good at and what we enjoy. The third thing, we activate abundance. By activate abundance, I mean that we get into an abundance mindset as opposed to being in a scarcity mindset. Starting off with my first suggestion on how we find our purpose, we work out what we are good at and where our strengths lie. One of the ways in which we can do this, in which we can come up with a list, if you like, of where our strengths lie, is to use the DISC method. The DISC method was first created by Dr. William Marston, who also invented the polygraph machine, known as the lie detector test, and who also was the creative genius behind the Wonder Woman comics. Who doesn't love Wonder Woman? The DISC method is a tried and tested system for analysing personality to establish what kind of person we are, what characteristics we have, and the intensity of those characteristics. The DISC method, spelt D-I-S-C, is a great way to work out where our strengths lie, which can, in help, which can in turn help us move towards establishing our true life's purpose. If you want, you can Google DISC test or DISC method, and a good number of options come up for taking the test. I did mine about a year ago with Tony Robbins Coaching, and it was totally free. DiscProfile.com and TonyRobbins.com both describe well what the letters D-I-S-C stand for and also what they mean. So in brief, D stands for dominance, and people with D personalities tend to be confident, placing emphasis on results. So if you're a D type of person, what this means for you is that you like to be in charge, you are driven, you get things done. If you're a D personality, you make things happen. I is for influence. People with I-type personalities tend to be open and place more emphasis on relationships with people. I-type people like to influence and persuade others with their ideas. If you are an I-type person, relationships with people will take priority for you over tasks. Whilst both relationships and tasks are important to you, you will give natural priority to relationships with those around you before you turn to your tasks. S represents steadiness. People with S-type personalities tend to be dependable, placing emphasis on cooperation and sincerity. S-type of people prefer a slower pace, and they like to take their time to build trust and relationships with people. Security and stability are the traits that S-type personalities place importance on. And C stands for conscientious. Those with C personalities tend to place emphasis on quality and accuracy and competence. C-type people like to ensure that products and services are performing efficiently and properly and well. Jay Shetty breaks this down really well in his podcast, which is called On Purpose, and which I really, really recommend listening to. Jay Shetty invites people to make a self-assessment of whether they are outgoing or whether they are reserved. He also invites people to assess whether they are a people-oriented person or whether they are a task-oriented person. Now, of course, most of us are a combination of all four of these personality types, but the combinations will vary as to how much of each personality type we are, each of us as individuals. You may be more of one than the others, 
or you may be more of two of the personality types and less of the other two, or some other combination. By exploring our disk type and by looking into the quality of our characteristics and the intensity of our characteristics, making assessments on where we find the most engagement and quality out of life, we start to understand ourselves that little bit better. And by having a true and a deep understanding of ourselves, of our nature, of who we are, we start to look past our ego qualities and we start to look towards our true essence. In discovering our true essence, we start to move towards finding our true purpose in life. And in knowing our purpose in life and in acting out that purpose, we gain a benefit beyond just simple satisfaction and a sense of well-being. It's reported on TonyRobbins.com that research has linked knowing our purpose in life to living longer, to having longevity. He says, Researchers surveyed nearly 7,000 older adults on the relationship between mortality and finding your purpose. Participants who did not have a strong sense of meaning in their lives were more than twice as likely to die prematurely as those who had figured out their purpose in life. Having a sense of purpose also reduced the incidence of cardiovascular events like heart attack and stroke. Self-limiting beliefs also play a part in preventing us from finding our true purpose. One of the ways we can touch in with finding our purpose is to do away with those pesky self-limiting beliefs of doing away with telling ourselves what we can't do. And one of the ways in which we can get rid of those negative thoughts in our head about what we tell ourselves about what we can't do is by focusing on what we can do. The DISC personality test really helps to steer us towards knowing what we can do by evaluating for us and showing us on paper, in black and white, where our strengths lie, where the enjoyment in life lies for us. It shows us what we are good at, even if we don't really know it ourselves yet. Perhaps as a result of years and years of negative self-talk, or having had negative talk thrown at us in our formative years, we have some of us lost sight of the amazing people we truly are, of the skills and the qualities that all of us have that are unique to us. Whilst the DISC method may sound a little generic, I'm only giving you the bare bones of it here. To go into it fully would probably be a whole other show of and by itself. A personality and characteristic test, such as DISC, really is an in-depth analysis of who we are and what we are good at. And so if you're finding it difficult to make a self-assessment of who you are, where your strengths lie, what you're good at, I do recommend trying a DISC test yourself. And by stepping towards knowing a little bit more about ourselves, knowing a little bit more about what we're good at, we get to a point where that knowledge may inspire us to look at things, to look at life in a slightly different way with a fresh perspective. We may be inspired to start a new hobby or to pursue a new vocation. We may be inspired to take a new course at college or to go into some form of higher education learning that fits in with our existing schedules, which opens up our talents and abilities to something new and perhaps into a field we hadn't even considered before. By taking these steps, by expanding our awareness of where our talents and skills lie, we start to move closer towards knowing our purpose.
The second step towards discovering our purpose lies in getting creative. Another way to finding where our gifts lie and of knowing what we are good at, what we're passionate about, is to get creative. I encourage you to get creative and to get creative with joy. Do the activities that bring you joy, that you're passionate about. It might be singing, dancing, painting, writing, playing a sport, whether that's football or pickleball, being outside in nature, meditating, yoga, cooking, organizing events for yourself and for your friends. It could be painting and decorating your house. It can be anything which requires creativity and which brings you joy and enjoyment. Something that takes you out of yourself where you're not thinking too much. Where you're inviting in that sense of flow I talked about in last week's show. Where you feel free to do as makes you happy. Where you feel able to be you. By being creative, by flowing into activities that give us that sense of flow, that sense of freedom, we start to feel into what we're good at. And what we are good at quite often predicates what our true purpose is. For me, it's my ability to speak and to speak with passion from my heart about topics that I really care about. That's why I was led to a career as an advocate in my capacity as an attorney. And that's why I'm here talking to you, wonderful people, my listeners, about finding your passion, about finding your purpose. The third tool for discovering our purpose is to activate abundance. In keeping with bringing our focus on what we can do, on where our gifts lie, I invite you to have an abundance mindset. And I invite you to do that by what I call activating abundance. In finding our purpose, we have to be truly invested in wanting to find that purpose. We have to have the right mindset. If we approach the issue of finding our purpose in life with a negative mindset, with a mindset and thought pattern of, oh, I don't know what I'm good at, or I don't know what I like, or I will never find my purpose. If you approach finding your purpose with that mindset, in fact, if you approach anything in life with that mindset, then you have already told yourself what is going to happen. You have already told yourself that you have this self-limiting belief. You have already carved out the future position that you will not find your purpose. The saying, where intention goes, energy flows, is so, so true. Tell yourself you won't do something or that you're unable to do something and that's exactly what the follow-through is going to be. So instead, I invite you, I invite you to show up for yourself and to have an abundance mindset. I want you to activate abundance. What I mean by activate abundance is almost a rewiring of our brains. The human brain hasn't quite caught up with all aspects of modern life yet. The way in which that's relevant for abundance activation and where the human brain hasn't caught up is, is that our brains are hardwired, preloaded if you like, to keep us alive, to fight the saber-toothed cat or whatever animal or situation that as prehistoric mammals we would be fighting or dealing with. The result of this is that the brain is hardwired to look for negative things in order to activate survival mode, in order to keep us alive. Now, translating that into the modern world, we instinctively look for the negative in almost every situation. And it's kind of not our fault. We're just made this way. 
So let's take an example and I'll use a personal example here. You get some great news that you've got the overseas job that you applied for. Your initial reaction is a yelp of excitement and you feel happy, you feel relieved. But your next most immediate thought might be, oh my gosh, what if I mess this up? What if I get over to the new country and I hate it there? What if I don't make any friends? What if I have to come back? What if it doesn't work out? And there you have it, the what if it doesn't work out mindset. How many of you want to bet with me that the what if you doesn't work out mindset has stopped hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, maybe even billions of people from chasing a dream, from actioning a business plan, from doing something that they're really, truly passionate about? So to stop this self-limiting belief, this what if it doesn't work out mindset, we need to activate abundance. You may already be activating abundance and you may already have an abundance mindset. If you are someone who is grateful for what they already have and you don't resent others' successes, in fact, if you actively celebrate other people's successes and achievements whilst being grateful for what you have, then you are already activating abundance in your life. Another sign that you are in a state of abundance is that you help others whether that's by giving your time to a worthwhile cause or giving your time to a friend, or whether that's by giving away some of your belongings which you consider you no longer need. By giving of ourselves, we believe that there is enough to go around and we are not stuck in the opposite of an abundance mindset. The opposite of an abundance mindset being a scarcity mindset. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, ooh, I'm not quite there yet, I'm not quite in the activation of abundance mindset quite yet, then let's get you there. So how do we get there? How do we activate abundance? Some of the things I've already talked about will help get us there. The main one being to practice gratitude and to be grateful for what is already in our lives. Whether that's by actively making lists of things for which we are grateful, or whether that's by noticing the more simple things in life and smiling at them. The sunlight as it lands on the sea, and the sea as it sparkles in that sunlight. The butterflies that flutter around our islands, or the big smile of your friend or lover when they see you. Getting creative can also activate abundance. By creating something, you are showing yourself, you are training your brain that there is abundance, that there are new things to be made and to be discovered. The very act of making something out of nothing or making something out of raw materials of whatever description is evidence of abundance. You're making something new. The next one, perhaps one of the most difficult ways of activating abundance, and certainly this is the one that I've struggled with the most, is to welcome change, is to embrace change. Tony Robbins puts this really eloquently. He says, Life will never go as planned. There will always be undesirable surprises. Change is inevitable and we must learn to embrace change. The potential for transformation is present in every change life throws our way, whether or not we choose to embrace it. He says, rather than be derailed by unexpected changes in our lives, we must learn to approach change with curiosity. 
Begin practicing an attitude of gratitude by softening to change, letting it in without a fight. Rather than telling yourself that you have either lost something, have less of something, or will never have what it is you want, make the command decision to focus on adopting an abundance mindset and focusing on what you can be grateful for. By learning how to express gratitude under difficult circumstances, you build an abundance mindset into everything you do. And I do think that this is the trickiest one of all. As humans, we really don't like change. We don't like uncertainty. And for the most part, we don't like not being in control of our lives or what we consider to be as being in control of our lives. Yet, at the same time, if we think about it, we don't like certainty either. We don't like certainty either. And I mean that in this sense. If we all, each and every one of us, knew exactly what would happen next in our lives, what exactly our next meal would be perhaps, down to the last taste of the last morsel of food, or if we knew where exactly our next holiday will be, exactly what is going to happen on that holiday, minute by minute, second by second, if we all knew before we met this person, if we all knew exactly who we'll marry or exactly who we'll end up with in the next meaningful long-term relationship, when that would happen, how every single day of our lives together from here on in would unfold, minute by minute, second by second, if we all knew all of that, we would be so, so, so bored. We would be bored out of our brains the lack of excitement, the lack of anticipation, the lack of not knowing would probably actually drive us crazy. So this is how we activate abundance around being open to change. And as I say, I really, really have struggled with this one and often still do struggle with it. But I think this is how we do it. The next time something happens to us that we don't like, something we don't feel we're ready for, I think we try to remind ourselves that it's better to have change than not to have it. Without change, nothing new happens. And without new things happening in our lives, without change, everything, life, becomes predictable. And with too much predictability, we are bored and we become stagnant. Energy stagnates. And where there is stagnation, there is no growth. So in order to keep growing, in order not to stagnate, we need to embrace change. And if the change of circumstance or the event that gives rise to the change is something that we're not keen on, it is so, so easy, it can be so, so easy to fall back into the negative scarcity mindset. It can be so easy to catastrophize, to think of all the possible negative outcomes of the new situation. All too often, we forget that a change of circumstance, no matter how awful it might feel at the time, such as the end of a romantic relationship, which is hard no matter however it comes about, even that has the capacity to lead to growth. Any such big change has the capacity to lead to development within ourselves, to lead to self-development. The way in which that development, that growth comes about in ourselves is by activating abundance, Rather than viewing that relationship which has ended as something that has ended our world, we can use it as an opportunity, for example, for self-growth. We can use it as an opportunity to travel the world. We can use any kind of event that is seemingly a setback 
as actually being a springboard taking us towards something new and something fantastic. Now, that's not to say that we should laugh in the face of adversity without first dealing with the feelings of loss that we're encountering. That's not to say that we shouldn't scream and shout and cry if that's what we need to do. We shouldn't in any way suppress any aspect of how we're actually feeling about this situation of change. On the contrary, of those of you who listened to my first show will know I'm a huge fan of therapy and treatment and of talking things through with a professional. I positively advocate facing our feelings head on and sitting with them. I positively encourage using these kinds of transitional phases, these times of change, as opportunity to explore our feelings towards that change, to understand what we are feeling about it and why, to open up to ourselves, to understand ourselves better. Whether that's by seeing a therapist or hiring a coach or asking a friend to be a mentor or by joining a free mentorship program in our local community. The William Bridges Transition Model, which was first created in 1979 and has been through a number of iterations since, and I invite you to look this up when you have a chance. The William Bridges Transition Model provides a framework for navigating life's changes. The model breaks down the emotional responses to change in three stages. The model says the first stage is the ending. That's followed by the second stage, which is the transition stage. And then the third stage is the stage of there being a new beginning. So looking at each of these in turn, the model describes some of the emotions that can come along with an ending. These include confusion, sadness, numbness, frustration and denial on the one hand, but can also include excitement and anticipation on the other hand. This is the stage where we need to allow ourselves to feel into and process our feelings. And this is where the counsel of a close and trusted friend or relative, a psychologist or a coach can be invaluable to healing and to getting into the next stage, the transition phase. The feelings and emotions that accompany the next stage, transition, usually comprise mixed emotions. It can include continued confusion, anxiety, resistance, but the opportunity is also there for creativity and innovation. At this transition stage, we should permit ourselves to get creative. We should continue with processing and feeling into, for example, the feelings of sadness associated with the ending. But at the same time, we should try to encourage ourselves to, for example, try new hobbies or try new sport or create something that's new to us or start a new practice. The final stage, the new beginning, the emotions that we may expect with that stage include possibly a sense of feeling unsure about things, but also feelings of accomplishment, learning and a feeling of high energy. The new beginning stage of the William Bridges transition model is a wonderful time to explore the DISC method. This is a time when you have energy and enthusiasm and commitment to new ventures to progress. Having also been through that tough event of change, that situation of change of circumstance, you would have learned some things from that journey. So this would be a wonderful time to try out the DISC test. It will give you a boost having it identified for you where your strengths lie and what you're good at. And these stages, ending, transition and new beginning are not clear cut. 
There's no barrier or line between each of these stages. There will be overlap, where at times you'll feel residual sadness and confusion. But that will, of course, pass as everything does. And when that passes, you'll feel energy and exuberance. And it's important to honour and respect all of those feelings that are happening inside of you. So by way of summary, I want to recap on what I've said about gratitude and about purpose. And remember, all of this feeds into answering the last two of the four questions that Deepak Chopra proposes that we answer in order to find true fulfillment in our lives. The fourth question, what are we grateful for? In getting to the core of what we're grateful for, I encourage you to start focusing your mind on what you have. Start focusing your mind in such a way that your perspective changes. Rather than seeing the negative side of a situation, try to see the situation from the positive perspective. Try to turn a seemingly negative thing into something positive. Make a list of three things that you're grateful for. Try to do this for seven days in a row, either when you wake up or just as you're about to go to bed. Quickly jot down three things that you're grateful for from the previous seven days. And it doesn't even have to be written down in a notebook. You can leave a voice note on your phone or make a written note on your phone or laptop. Another thing that you might like to try is maybe sending your gratitude list in a text or email to someone you really care about. Send it to your mum or to your dad or partner or sister, brother or best friend. By sharing the things that you are grateful for with the people you truly care about and love will open up your sense of gratitude even more. And not only that, you'll be spreading the joy. You'll be showing that person to whom you've sent your list. You'll be showing them a really warm and loving, positive side of you. And who's not going to want to receive that kind of thing? And not only that, you'll be making them feel good. You may even end up encouraging that person to whom you've sent your list to start a gratitude practice themselves. I mean, obviously, be sensitive about it all. Don't send your list off of grateful things that are things that you're grateful for to a friend or relative who's had a really bad day or has received some terrible news. Check in with them first and ask them if it would be okay for you to send them your list. And maybe then invite them also, if they choose to do so, to send you their list in return. Purpose. In order to find our purpose, there are a whole host of things that we can do for ourselves to get us there. Here are the things that I talked about today. One of the things that I invited you to do is to get creative. I invite you to show up for yourself and get back in touch with some of the things that you enjoyed as a kid, as a child. Did you like to paint? Did you like to let your imagination run wild and come up with really cool stories? Maybe you could start painting or drawing or making collages again. Maybe you want to start letting your imagination run wild again and start writing down some of those stories that you dream up. And it doesn't matter if it seems silly. What might seem silly is actually good. And it's good because I bet you it's fun. By tapping into your creative energy, by allowing yourself to be in flow with the activities that bring you joy and fun, activities that when you're doing them, you lose track of time, you allow yourself to be spontaneous. By being spontaneous, you are getting closer to finding your purpose. You are getting closer to living in alignment. And as a result, you are getting closer to being able to live your purpose. Another thing that I invite you to do 
is to delve into what kind of personality you have. Are you outgoing? Are you reserved? Are you a people person or are you into jobs and tasks? Where do your strengths lie and what do you enjoy? Do you enjoy talking to people and influencing them, persuading them to your way of thinking? Or do you enjoy starting and finishing tasks and projects and keeping things in order? Do you enjoy getting things done? All of these questions feed into the DISC test, which I invite you to take. I'm not in any way affiliated with any of the DISC method providers. I just think it's a wonderful, a great way, an objective way of being told where our strengths lie and a wonderful way of receiving encouragement for having those strengths. Thirdly, activate abundance. I invite you to have the right mindset, which will help you find your purpose. By activating abundance, we open ourselves up to being in a state of receiving. We invite good things to flow to us. We do this by avoiding the scarcity mindset. And by being open to abundance, more abundance will flow. Remember that energy flows where intention goes. Signs of having activated abundance, of having an abundance mindset, are that we celebrate the successes of others. We're happy for others when good things happen to them. Another way to activate abundance is to give, and volunteering is a fantastic way of achieving that. We can also get creative. We can enjoy creating a piece of artwork or writing something. We can try a new sport or a new hobby. And another way to activate abundance is to see the positive in and to embrace change. And if by doing all of these things, firstly, practicing gratitude, secondly, taking the DISC test or some other sort of test on your personality type, and thirdly, activating abundance, you still remain unsure of your purpose, I invite you not to give up. Instead, I invite you to carry on with these practices, perhaps to read into these practices and find out more about them. I also invite you to go back to the 15-minute rule, which I talked to you about on my last show. What I introduced last week was the simple practice of taking 15 minutes a day to start and finish a new project. Whether it's a book you're writing or a business plan that you're putting together, by taking just 15 minutes a day, you make it happen. And I suggested the time you take to practice the 15-minute rule is first thing in the morning whilst you're prepping and eating your breakfast. The morning is also a great time to focus on something, on anything, because provided you've had a good night's sleep, that's when you're open to being the most focused. That's the time you are likely to be fresh and have energy. I also talked about how when we spend our time, time, which is a precious commodity, on productive things, such as creating and building something new that gives us pleasure, we are reinforcing in our minds, we are teaching our brains that our time is of value, that we as people are of value. The effect of this is that the brain will latch onto the idea that what we are doing is of value. Value in ourselves, our self-worth, Value in what we are creating becomes a deeper held belief. So, by looking for and finding the purpose of our lives, not only do we get to a better place of feeling, a sense of well-being, we also get to a better place of our mental health. We get to a better state of mental health. And that is why I'm inviting you all to try out the tips and tricks to finding our purpose in life that I've spoken about today. Because looking after our sense of well-being, looking after our mental health is so, so important. 
And as always, if anyone is experiencing feelings of distress or anxiety or depression or has the need to talk to someone, please reach out to someone, whether it's a friend or whether it's one of the resources on Ireland. You can reach out to Infinite Mindcare on 926-0882 and information on the Alex Panton Foundation is available on alexpantonfoundation.ky. Loud silent voices can also be reached on 922-3847 and their email is info at lsv.support. I leave you with a quote from Rumi, the 13th century poet, who said, When you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. I really hope you, my listeners, I hope you find that river, that joy, that thing that moves your soul. Thank you so much for listening to my show, Shuvra Deb, with you. Tune in next Thursday at 2pm and every Thursday right here on Bobo FM 89.1. Bye for now. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for listening to Shuvra Deb with you. And please do tune in every Thursday at 2pm on Bobo FM 89.1 for more topics related to and relevant to mental health. If any of you would like to reach out to me directly about any of the issues I've discussed, please do email me at shuvradeb82 at gmail.com. That's spelt S-H-U-V-R-A-D-E-B, the numbers 82 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening.